Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Talking Newspaper, recorded at Colin Chance House on Thursday the 9th of August. I'm Jenny Tansy and with me reading the news are... Patrick Townsy, Moira. Hugh. Um, Barry Hurd is our engineer, Janet and Hugh are doing the administration and Duncan Wynne is our copier. Thanks to Worcester News for all our information. The headlines this week are Friday, Laurie's trial of destruction, sorry, trail of destruction, beg your pardon. Saturday, Black Mamba Alert. Monday, Dog That Bit Child is Spared. Tuesday, Black Mamba Will Kill My Husband. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, Drug Related Deaths Rise in City. And Thursday, Give Me an Old Ambulance. Now for the obituaries, Betty Bartlett passed away peacefully on July the 19th, aged 84. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on August the 13th at 12.15. Cynthia Mary Beard passed away at the Royal Worcester Hospital on August the 1st, aged 83. The funeral service is at the Worcester Crematorium on August the 15th at 2.30. Neville Walter Jones passed away on July the 17th, age 73. Funeral service as is at St. Martin's Church, London Road, on August the 10th at 10.45. Reginald William Willis, known as Reg, passed away on July the 15th, aged 89. The funeral is at Worcester Crematorium on August the 16th at 1pm. Harold Checkitz died on the 31st of July, age 98. If you knew Harold and you were warmly invited to contribute your personal memories of him at an informal gathering on the 22nd of September in Eckington Village Hall at 1pm, RSVP to 01663764032. Victor Claudeless Jones, known as Vic, passed away at Worcester Royal Hospital on July the 30th, age 91. The funeral is at Worcester Crematorium on August the 21st at 3.15. Pamela Ann Moorwood, nay Pingriff, died on July the 21st, aged 85. Funeral service is at All Saints Church in Deansway, Worcester, on August the 15th at 12.15. Gerald Richard Bowen, known as Rick the K., passed away on July the 28th, age 72. The funeral is at Worcester Crematorium on August the 15th at 11.30. Kerry Mason, funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on August the 13th at 11.30. George Edward Melville passed away on August the 1st, aged 81. The funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on August the 15th at 1pm. Conrad Robry passed away on July the 27th. The funeral service is on August the 15th at St Mary Magdalene in Himbleton at 11am. Don Williams, known as, sorry, Don Williams, middle name Henry Lewis, passed away on July the 22nd. The funeral service is on August the 13th at Ashwood Road Crematorium at 1pm. James Ballinger, known as Jim, passed away on July the 29th, aged 89. The funeral is at Worcester Crematorium on August the 16th at 2.30. And our thoughts and sympathies go to all the families. The thought for today is um, John verses 5 to 7. 
This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And now I'll pass you on to Patrick for the first headline. So the headline on Friday, August the 3rd, is Lurie's Trail of Destruction. And the subheadline is Mum says daughter is lucky to be alive after vehicles hit five garden walls, two parked cars and a lamppost. A lorry crashed into five garden walls, two parked cars and a lamppost after hurting across the main city road. The lorry caused damage over a 150 metre area, according to the fire service, with residents claiming it was like an earthquake. Incredibly, no one was injured in the crash. A resident said that the lorry was parked in Rosebank before it bolted down London Road and down Camp Hill Road. An eyewitness said the driver was not in the lorry at the time. Louise Knight, 18, who lives in one of the houses whose walls were hit, it was like an earthquake. We were like, what was that? I was walking into the lounge with a cup of tea. I had just got out of bed. I opened the curtain and just saw devastation. I just grabbed the phone and called the police. Miss Knight's grandmother, who did not wish to be named, said the house belonged to her daughter. I was near and I had just got back from shopping. He was delivering cement up the road and apparently his handbrake failed and he came down here and took my granddaughter's car. He has taken all the walls out of the house. It's my daughter's house, they're away in the south of France. Another car stopped as otherwise he would have hit another car up the top. Jane Miller, age 70, said, I live about 100 metres from the crash. I just heard a horrific noise, it sounded like an explosion really. There have been a lot of trucks travelling along here. Building work is being done at the school. The crash in Camp Hill Road, Worcester, just off London Road, happened at around 7.50am on Thursday morning. The lorry came from CPI Euromix's Wolverhampton base. A West Mercia police spokesman said, West Mercia police were called at around 7.45am this morning to reports of a road traffic collision on Camp Hill Road, in Worcester. The incident involved a HGV lorry and a vehicle and a wall. Fire was also in attendance. Highways have been informed. CPI Euromix did not comment other than to confirm where the lorry came from. No one has been arrested as the Worcester News went to press. Okay, my headline is Black Mamba Alert. A paramedic has raised the alarm about the deadly grip the Black Mamba drug has on the city. Christine Gill, aged 50, said the former legal high is becoming increasingly popular. Worcester and people are dying as a result. The West Midlands Ambulance Service employee thinks the drug is more addictive than heroin and urged users to seek help. We published pictures of Black Mamba users earlier this week slumped across benches in the city centre showing the devastating toll it's having on the city. Ms Gill from Worcester said, The issue in Worcester is growing. You're only going to wind up in one place if you carry on taking it. I've conveyed many people into the resuscitation department that have taken it. The outcome is not good. People have died. It can cause death quite easily. 
It's heartbreaking going out to people that are doing this to their bodies and putting their own lives at risk by taking this awful substance. As a clinician, I'd say mamba is becoming more frequent than heroin, and that's frightening. It's very addictive, more so than heroin, I believe. Heroin is a very dangerous drug, but if you get there in time, you can help them. Ms Gill said paramedics have an antidote for heroin called Narcan, whereas they do not have one for black mamba. She added, we just do what we can to save their life, really. The trouble with black mamba is we don't always know what we are dealing with. They, the patient, might not be in a condition to tell us they have taken it. Heroin has its signs. You can't smell mamba-like weed. There's no test for it. You go into it totally blind. They can be semi-comatose, vomiting, in full-blown cardiac arrest or in a fit. It can lead to long-term illness and death. Ms Gill says she recently treated a man in his 60s in Worcester and only found out he had smoked black mamba because his friend told her he had a history with the drug. The paramedic blasted the stereotype of users as homeless people, claiming she had dealt with many professional individuals who had taken black mamba. She thinks she has personally attended more than 10 incidents in Worcestershire involving the drug so far this year. West Mercia Police Chief Inspector Mel Crowther previously said... West Mercia Police is committed to dealing with drug-related criminal activity. Black Mamba is a controlled substance and our officers work hard to enforce the law as it stands. We work closely with Swanswell, a national alcohol and drug recovery charity, to refer offenders to get the help they need to tackle their addictions. We really want the local community to work with us by reporting any suspicious activity. Black Mamba, a synthetic marijuana, was banned with other legal highs in 2016. Anyone with information about drug offences in the area can ring West Mercia Police on 101 or Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 111. A relieved couple <coughs> are glad to be able to take their dog home after a judge said he did not need to be put down. Craig Davis, 30, and Jennifer Powell, 27, of Birch Avenue, Tolladine, Worcester, pleaded guilty to being in charge of a dog that was dangerously out of control after their American Akita Sven bit the arm of a neighbour's five-year-old girl in July last year. Worcester Crown Court heard how the girl walked through an unlocked gate and was met by a growling Sven who then bit her, causing bleeding and redness. After the hearing, Davis said, I'm just glad it's all over, to be honest. I don't want to act like I'm over the moon that we've got him back because it's not fair on everybody else. It's been a long time and we're just very relieved and happy that it's finally over. Judge Robert Dukes QC did not consider the injuries serious enough nor was the dog enough of a danger to the public to have it put down. He said no judge could ever be completely satisfied that any dog will ever be a danger to the public, but was satisfied Sven, especially being a big hefty dog, was safe. If this dog really wanted to seriously injure the little girl, it could have, he said. Judge Jukes, QC, said the couple had demonstrated that they were responsible owners and the attack was very unfortunate. 
He said cases involving dangerous dogs usually came before the court because of irresponsible owners, but Davis and Powell had demonstrated they had taken sensible steps before, including putting a muzzle on Sven when out walking and had since proved they could look after him by building a suitable kennel and fencing. I do not debate that they will do everything to keep their dogs safe, he said. Philip Vollens, prosecuting, said Sven bit the couple's seven-year-old in January 2017 after the girl teased him, causing similar injuries. Pamela Rose, defending, said Davis had accepted responsibility for the incident, despite him not being in the house when it happened. Sven had been examined by two animal behaviour specialists, Mike Barnett for the defence and Candy Dessar for the prosecution. Judge Dukes QC was convinced by Mr Barnett's evidence that Sven was not a threat to the public but said Miss Dessar's examination was not the most sensitive due to a clumsy attempt to familiarise the dog with his lead and another attempt to muzzle the dog whilst outside. Judge Dukes QC said Sven seemed remarkably compliant in a video filmed during Miss Dessar's examination. He said an attempt made by Miss Dessar and a number of police officers to muzzle the dog was unpleasant to watch. He said he had also factored the fact that Sven had been in kennels for more than 12 months into his decision. Judge Dukes QC did give a contingent destruction order, which means the dog must be kept under control and will most likely be destroyed if Davis and Powell do not control him properly. The couple were fined £330 each and ordered to pay £1,000 towards kennel costs, £150 prosecution costs and a £33 victim surcharge. And the headline for Tuesday, August the 7th, is another black mamba will kill my husband story. A wife is scared that her husband will die if he continues to take the drug black mamba. Misha Littlewood of White Ladies Close Worcester said her partner, Mike, goes missing for days on end to get high on the drug. Mr Littlewood said his heart bleeds for his wife and he is now trying to get off the former legal high. His 30-year-old wife said, In the past two weeks, I've had to report him missing twice. This time, when I found him on Friday, he was purple and fitting, with his eyes rolling back in his head. He could have died. I'm worried he'll smoke too much, and that will be the fit that polishes him off, and I won't even know that he's dead. He will just die in an alleyway or a bush, and I wouldn't know. I don't know what I can do about it, but there's got to be other wives and sisters sat at home going spare like me, wondering if their loved one will come home at night. Mrs Littlewood said her husband's black mamba use got out of hand about a month ago when he started disappearing for several days at a time. She said he spiralled out of control after he stopped working as a window cleaner and painter when she broke her ankle about eight weeks ago. Mrs Littlewood, who works as a cleaner, said 
He started to care for her. However, this meant he eventually ran out of money last month. She claims he then started to take black mamba as a cheaper alternative to other drugs. Some users even get the drug for free by picking up cigarette butts in the hope that they contain black mamba, according to Mrs. Littlewood. Her husband Mike, aged 38, said, I think black mamba is the worst thing out there. It's worse than heroin, crack or cocaine. Drinking is quite bad, but I think mamba is worse. I get hours and hours of blank. I don't know what I've done. I sit there on the street, kissing the pavement, passing out on the floor. My heart bleeds for her, that's Michelle. But when you're smoking it, you are self-centred. You forget about everything for a whole day. Mr Littlewood, who stopped taking the drug on Sunday and is now suffering from withdrawals, said the city problem with Black Mamba is getting worse. He added, Since it's gone underground, people want it more, as it's illegal. I started smoking it when it was legal and in the shops. It was better when it was in the shops as it was regulated and now everything is in it. You can find it everywhere. You just have to ask a few homeless people and they will point you in the right direction. The couple who met about two years ago and got married last year said they want to raise awareness about the damage that the drug is causing. And the headline on Wednesday, August the 8th, continues uh, the newspaper's um, coverage of drug-related deaths rising in the city. Um, Drug-related deaths are rising in the city. Some 25 people died from drugs and muster between 2015 and 2017, compared to 23 for uh, for the year 2014 to 2016 and 20 from 2013 to 2015. The leader of a watchdog has now called on Muster County Council to stop cutting drug rehabilitation services in Mustership. However, the head of public health for the county dismissed this as fanciful thinking and blamed the rising number of deaths on drug-dealing gangs. Chris Bloor, chairman of the county council's overview and security performance board, said this trend that shows an increase in the number of deaths connected to drugs is deeply concerning and shows the council must do more to support those affected by drug addiction. It's time council bosses stop cutting funding to this area of work, and I'll be looking to reopen the previous scrutiny work on drug services to get the answers on why the council is failing its vulnerable residents. Last year, the Overview and Scrutiny Performance Board criticised Worcester County Council for cutting funding for Swanswell, the local drug rehabilitation service, by 15%. John Smith, the County Council Cabinet Member for Health and Wellbeing, rejected Mr Bloor's claim that the Council is failing its vulnerable residents. He said, It's quite easy to say we need to put more funding in, but all local authorities across the country are having to look at their budgets. We do all we can to maintain the services we provide. Instead, he blamed the increase on the rise of county lines, drug gangs, which are moving into Worcester from bigger cities. Councillor Smith says, I think the county lines gangs have indirectly led to this increase in deaths. I think drugs are becoming more easily obtainable, which is a sad thing. The problem with a place like Worcestershire, and it's no excuse, is that we are so convenient to motorways and trunk roads so people can come from places like Birmingham, drop off drugs and go back to their area. Worcestershire County Council said the national rise in drug-related deaths was partly down to the increasing purity and availability of heroin 
and the aging population of users. Mel Kirk, chief executive of the Worcester homeless charity Mag's Day Centre, thinks drug use is becoming more visible in the city. She said it has also been a shift in the type of substances being used with the emergence of legal highs. Ms. Kirk says, We are seeing a huge rise in people taking black mamba because it's cheaper. The chief executive added that better education at an early stage in school could help to reduce the number of drug-related deaths. A spokesman for the Office of National Statistics, ONS, which released the figures, said it did not appear anyone in Worcester had died from synthetic cannabinoids such as black mamba. (coughs) Michael Stevenson, a West Mercia police advisor on crime prevention, said the force is working with other members of the Safer Worcester Partnership to tackle drugs in the city. The group agreed to focus on drugs in Worcester at its last meeting. He said a positive problem-solving plan, including positive policing, will put in place that partners will work together to help towards decreased drug users in Worcester. Of the 25 deaths in Worcester between 2015 and 2017, 18 were men and 7 were women. On a national level, heroin and morphine were the most common drugs linked to deaths, while antidepressants came second and cocaine third. The ONS published the figures on Monday. Swanswell was available for comment. Okay, so today's headline is Give me an old ambulance so I can whisk my one-legged wife off to Blackpool, says Romeo OAP. A romantic pensioner wants the NHS to give him an old ambulance so he can convert it into a motorhome and whisk his one-legged wife on holiday. Derek Boswood of Worcester says it would be nice if the NHS could give him an old ambulance before it is scrapped or auctioned off so he can take his wheelchair-bound wife of 41 years on holiday to Blackpool. The 66-year-old of Blenheim Road St John's is a full-time carer for his wife Wendy and hopes to be given an ambulance after discovering that old ones are auctioned off in Merthyr Tidville. He also hopes Worcester news readers can donate a caravan so he can use its furnishings for the ambulance to convert it into a motorhome, work he would pay for out of his own pocket. If he's able to secure the ambulance, the father of three wants it fitted with a toilet, gas, lighting and furnishings, including a bed and a fridge, and says he already has two men in mind to carry out the job. The grandfather of seven hopes his romantic gesture, if successful, will put a smile on his wife's face after a series of health problems left her confined to a wheelchair. She suffers from diabetes, which led to the amputation of her leg, has battled a brain tumour and has experienced a stroke and several heart attacks. He said, I would love to take her to Blackpool. She likes it there by the sea. She isn't very hard to please. I think that he's going to make her so happy just to see her face is going to be outstanding. His wife's sister recently asked her where she was going on holiday, to which she answered, nowhere. However, Mrs Boswood hopes all that could change if they managed to secure an ambulance to convert and go on a new adventure. She said, at least we would be able to get out. If it's your own, you can have it converted to meet your needs. If you buy a motorhome, there's not always enough room to put your wheelchair in. Referring to her husband, she added, he, he does dote on me. The last time the couple had a break was a day trip to Blackpool. 
Mr Boswood said they scarcely had time to have some fish and chips and go along the pier before they had to climb back in the coach and head home. Though Mr Boswood credits staff at the intensive care unit with saving his life after he suffered an aneurysm in November 2015, he was not happy with all aspects of his care at Worcester Royal Hospital and says the NHS could consider the ambulance as a gift in lieu of compensation for the more negative aspects of his treatment. A spokesman for West Midlands Ambulance Service said they did not sell ambulances but returned them to the company that provided them at the end of the lease. However, she suggested Mr Boswood could contact other ambulance services to see if they could provide him with one. Mr Boswood said if anyone could donate an old caravan, they could contact him on 01905 428 129. Okay, this is a story from uh, uh, Monday's edition, August the 6th. Uh, Worcester residents are getting together <clears throat> to oppose proposed bus cuts in the city and beyond. Mm. First Bus intends to change 24 bus services in Worcestershire with at least 10 evening and late night services in the city being scrapped under the plans. Now campaigners have launched a petition on 38degrees.org calling for the cuts to be reversed, which already has over 100 signatures. The site has been created by Natalie McVeigh, who said many people rely on these services <coughs> to carry out everyday tasks such as going to work, doing the shopping, attending medical appointments and meeting with friends and family. South Worcestershire is a largely rural area where public transport is limited and isolation a real risk. These drastic cuts would be devastating. Councillor Alan Amos, Cabinet Member with responsibility for highways at Worcestershire County Council, said, The fundamental question is, why aren't more people using the buses? <clears throat> like so many things, if you don't use it, you will lose it. I am a regular bus user myself, and like everybody else, reliability and punctuality for me are essential for a healthy and growing public transport system. Most people have a choice and exercise it, but I know that for many people, buses are their only option. Unfortunately, the more the companies cut services, the more it undermines people's confidence in using or switching to bus travel. Nonetheless, I am convinced that bus travel is the only real alternative to the car, so we will continue to work closely with the bus companies to get a reliable and punctual service that actually encourages people to want to use buses. We are aware that a petition has now been launched against cuts. We will consider this petition when we receive it, as we would with all petitions handed to the County Council. However, it may be more productive to direct the petition to First Bus, who are actually making the cuts. Sarah East, Head of Operations at First Worcester, said... 
All changes are be all changes being made are in line with how people have been using the services. Mm. We are only removing some late night, some late evening journeys that run on Fridays and Saturdays, and up to two journeys that run to the hospital. We will still be running a comprehensive 15-minute frequency service to the hospital throughout the day. A restaurant is facing a fine of up to £20,000 after an employee was arrested by immigration enforcement officers for allegedly overstaying the limit set by his visa. A 29-year-old Bangladeshi man was arrested on Thursday at around 6pm at Balti Mahal on Aswood Road and is now being prepared for deportation according to the Home Office. The financial penalty will be imposed on the business unless it can prove that appropriate right-to-work document checks were carried out. This includes seeing a passport or a home office document confirming permission to work. Haviz Noor Mohammed, who has owned the restaurant for two years, denied that he had knowingly employed someone without the right to work in the UK. The 55-year-old businessman, listed as director of Talukdar Limited by Companies House, said he provided officers with copies of the employee's passport and insurance documents during the raid. They said there would be further investigation as they had doubts over the documents and arrested him. He said, as far as we knew, the original documents were genuine. I still believe he is a genuine person, he added. Mr. Mohammed said the raid took place prior to the restaurant opening to the public and it was the first time immigration officers had visited the business, which employs four full-time staff members. He said the officers initially left with the copied documents but returned 45 minutes later and arrested the man who had worked there for three months. Mr. Mohammed said the passport photocopy provided to him stated the man, who he had not known prior to employing him, was a British citizen. Someone is trying to damage our reputation and it's giving us a bad name, he said, referring to officers having allegedly told him they had been tipped off. We employ genuine staff. We're not employing any illegal workers, he added. Information to help the employers carry out checks to prevent illegal working can be found at gov.uk forward slash government forward slash collections forward slash employees sorry employers illegal dash working penalties this includes a quick answer right to work tool to help employers check if someone has the right to work here a teenager from Malvern has died after a crash the boy 17 is believed to have been a passenger as a Volkswagen Golf which smashed into a row of parked cars and a lamppost. Police are hunting a driver who fled the scene of the crash at Palfrey, Walsall at 12.10 yesterday. West Midlands police said two 14-year-old girls travelling in the Golf were injured in the crash. The 17-year-old from Malvern was found collapsed nearby with a serious head injury but pronounced dead in hospital. The suspected driver of the Gulf is thought to have left the scene. At the scene, in a residential area with a 30 mile per hour limit, shocked residents described hearing the screeching of tyres, then a loud bang 
likened to a bomb going off. Debris, broken glass, skid marks and the buckled body panels of several vehicles shown where the golf crashed into at least three other cars in Weston Street before coming to a rest in the middle of the road. Video footage taken by stunned residents showed the shattered remains of the golf, left wrecked in the middle of the road as paramedics worked desperately nearby to save the fatally injured teenager. Mother of one, Shamira Begum, said she heard a massive bang and looked out the window to see the wreckage. She said it was the third accident in the road uh, in the years since she moved into the street. Two eyewitnesses have described how they were saved by a cigarette lighter. Work colleagues Sanu Ola, 40, and Emud Ahmed described seeing the golf skidding towards their car. Mr. Ahmed, being dropped off by Mr. Ulla, had gone to his front door just moments before, but went back to the car to borrow a lighter from his friend. It delayed restaurant boss Mr. Ulla pulling away into what would have been the path of the golf, the man said. Instead, their seat was scraped at a glancing blow with the golf and then ploughing into the back of a stationary Vauxhall Vectra on the opposite side of the road. Mr. Ahmed, 39, said, We were very lucky. If I didn't ask for the lighter, my friend was just about to pull out. If I didn't stop him pulling out, it would have been a life-threatening accident for us. Detective Sergeant Paul Hughes from West Midlands Police Serious Collision Investigation Unit is appealing for anyone who saw the collision that has not yet spoken to the police to get in touch. He added, We're working to understand what happened in the build-up to the collision. So if anyone saw the VW Golf in Western Street or the surrounding area just after midnight, then <clears throat> call or email. OK, and in today's paper, there's an update on that story. Um, a 16-year-old boy has pleaded guilty to causing death by dangerous driving after a teenager from Malvern lost his life in a car crash. Liam Ball, aged 17, from Malvern and who worked in Worcester, died in the crash in Western Street, Walsall, on Thursday, August the 2nd. His family said this little man left us too soon and will leave a big hole in our family and hearts. God bless you, Liam. Liam was an apprentice barber at Camo Hare in Reindeer Court before leaving in June with his former boss saying he will be deeply missed. The Hare own, uh, sorry, Camo Hare owner Sam Mee said, Such a tragic loss. Liam was such a talented barber for his age. He always had a smile on his face and lived life to the fullest. He will be deeply missed by everyone involved with Camo and we will never, ever forget him. Mr Me and his staff are currently raising money for Liam's funeral and are planning to install a memorial in the shop for him. The 16-year-old boy, who cannot be named for legal reasons, also pleaded guilty to driving without a licence, having no insurance and failing to stop at the scene at Wolverhampton Magistrates Court yesterday. He will be sentenced at Wolverhampton Crown Court on September the 5th. An item from uh, <coughs> the issue on Monday, August the 6th. County remembers role in Great War. Exhibitions and displays from organisations across the county came together in Worcester to remember the First World War. Dozens of stalls packed into the Guildhall as part of the Worcestershire World War One Hundred programme for Worcestershire Remembers to bring together four years' worth of commemorations. The programme 
led by the Worcestershire Archive and Archaeology Service, has been honouring the role the county played in the First World War, telling the stories of Worcestershire people, their involvement with and personal legacy from the war. Youngsters enjoyed poppy printing in a First World War Army bell tent erected outside the Guildhall, led by Kate Philipson from the Worcester City Museum. The day was filled with performances, with poetry and letter readings and film screenings. Malvern's Trench Choir kicked off the day with one of two recitals performing much-loved favourites such as Tipperary, Pack Up Your Troubles and Keep the Home Fires Burning. The Guildhall provided a perfect setting for concert hall recruiter Vesta Tilly, a reenactment by Claire Warboys uh, to perform. Visitors had a special chance to watch the recently remastered The Battle of Ankara and the Advance of the Tanks from 1917, a little-known film which documents the autumn and winter stages of the Somme campaign on the Western Front. Pershaw Heritage Centre demonstrated food production during the time and how the Pershaw Plum won the war. Visitors also had the chance to learn about Gouzeaucourt, a small French village behind German lines for much of the war, adopted by the city in 1921 to help rebuild it. Tens of th this panel has launched his own beer to mark his testimonial year for Worcester Warriors. The fullback who played for England, was at the Crown Pub in St John's on Monday night for the launch of his own beer, Chris Pennell Gold, which is now available on tap. <clears throat> Chris said, For my testimonial season, Green King kindly offered me to do a beer and Rob Turner kindly offered to have it on tap. I'm not really an expert, but I do enjoy a beer now and again. With two kids, though, it's not really worth the hangover sometimes. Chris, 31, who is a keen supporter of the charity Diabetes UK, said, This was the brainchild of Craig from Green's King. It's a great idea support, to support the season in a different way. The Crown and Bransford Road has been a popular place to watch rugby and other sports since it was revitalised four years ago. Chris said, <coughs> I've been there a few times and it's such a good rugby pub. I will be in a bit more to support Rob and all the other things he has done here. He's created a really cool atmosphere. Rob Turner, the landlord of the Crown, said, Together with Green King, because of it being Chris's testimonial year, we decided to go down this route. We're a real rugby pub, but we show all sports. We have a huge gazebo outside and it's always busy. Craig Barry from the pub owners and brewery Green King said, We are strongly associated with rugby. We looked for Saracens, Newcastle, Gloucester and Warriors. We thought it would be a good way to support the season and decided to come up with a beer. Mm -hmm. The beer will also be available at Six Way Stadium during and throughout the rugby season. Worcestershire's Australian batsman Callum Ferguson will be their main overseas player for 2019. Ferguson, 33, will link up with the county on May the 1st and is expected to be available for most of next season. 
He's been playing white ball cricket this year, but in 2019 will feature in all formats. The right-hander hit 192 on his debut in the Royal London One Day Cup clash against Leicestershire Foxes for the highest list day score by a county batsman. He then smashed 159 not out at home to Northamptonshire Steelbacks. Ferguson has scored consistently in the Vitality Blast too and on Saturday made 106 not out in the win at Notts Outlaws. But he also has a good record in first-class cricket and head coach Kevin Sharp admitted, we didn't know too much about Callum. He came to play some white ball cricket for us and has excelled. It's not just his skill as a batsman, it's the way he is as a person. He is, caring, he is a caring, smart individual who understands the game and understands people. He is fitted in superbly here, so it was a no-brainer really to have him come back for a longer period next season. Callum was keen to come back and the very fact he is going to be with us for most of the season gives us that stabilising factor as well. He has played a lot of cricket, his stats are good, so the very fact we have found him and no one else has is going to be to our benefit. The 192 against Leicestershire was up there with the best innings you will see and the other night at Trent Bridge, in different circumstances, he played with great maturity and skill as did Mo. County CEO Matt Rawnsley said, We are delighted that Callum will be coming back next summer and playing all facets of the game. He has added a huge amount of value on and off the field this year, clearly a quality player, but also his experience that he brings to the group and in the dressing room is something we've really valued. His performances have been excellent and us committing to him for next year demonstrates what we think of him. In this changing landscape of when players are available, particularly for next year with the World Cup as well in the UK, for us to have an overseas player of true quality for the majority of the season, five months, is going to be a great asset for us. Ferguson is delighted to be returning and it will be on the back of his marriage to police officer Rihanna Eglinton in April. He said, it has been a great experience this year. I probably ended up playing up a bit more for Worcestershire this year than I expected when initially coming over. That has been really exciting. We're in a good position this year, winning lots of games of cricket, and I'm really looking forward to getting the band back together next year, as you might put it. I'll be coming back and playing with such an exciting, young and talented group of players. I'm really grateful for the opportunity. It will be great to play the Red Bull stuff as well and have virtually a full season over here, a real experience that I've wanted to get hold of. To be offered it by Worcestershire next year is something I'm excited about. A bit more cricket news from uh, Saturday, August the 4th. <coughs> Ross Whitley smashed 60 off 26 balls as Worcestershire Rapids gained a dramatic three-wicket win over leaders Durham Jets in a Vitality Blast thriller at Blackfinch New Road. The all-rounder rescued a game which appeared to be heading in the Jets' favour after Tom Latham hit 78 of their 194-7 to in 20 overs. But Whiteley and then debutant Wayne Parnell turned the game for Rapids and ended Durham's five-game winning streak. Whiteley was eventually out in the final over, caught at long on off the first ball from Nathan Remington with 10 needed for victory. 
He struck three sixes and seven fours, and then Parnell hit four to four of successive balls to see Worcestershire to their sixth win in nine games as they went one point clear of Jets. Durham were put into bat and Graham Clark struck three boundaries in the opening over from Luke Wood. But after making 17, the opener went for a pull and miscued Pat Brown into the hands of Rapids skipper Moeen Ali, backpedalling from mid-off. Liam Travaskis failed to trouble the scorers before he fell to a fine low catch by Callum Ferguson at short mid-wicket to give new overseas Wayne Parnell his first wicket for Rapids on his debut. <coughs> Latham was full of attacking intent and greeted Moeen's introduction into the attack with a straight six. The New Zealander and Ryan Davis, number 23, added 67 in six overs until the latter holed out to long off Brett Delavira. Latham reached his half century from 39 balls with three sixes and three fours. He found another able partner in Ryan Pringle, who clouted Dolivera for two sixes in an over costing 19 runs. Pringle helped Latham to put on 70 in six overs, but after making 35, he fell victim to a stunning catch by Whiteley, diving full length at long off from the bowling of Brown. <coughs> Latham moved on to 78, but then pulled Moeen down Ed Barnard's throat at deep mid-wicket. Rapids managed to check Jets' momentum in the final few overs. Parnell bowled James Whale, number one, and finished with impressive figures of 4-0-22-2 on his debut, and then Rimmington, number two, was run out, attempting a second run of Brown to Wood at third man. <coughs> When Rapids launched their reply, they quickly lost opener Joe, Joe Clark, number five, who drove at Wayhill and nicked through to keeper Stuart Pointer. Moeen went on the attack in Chris Rushworth's second over with six and two fours and also went 6-4-4 four, four in a Remington over. Remington over, I beg your pardon. But the introduction of Barry McCarthy into the attack brought a double breakthrough. Moeen, having made 42 of 25 balls, perished at deep square leg. And then four balls later, Dolivera, number one, was caught off a leading edge at cover. Ben Cox, number 16, went for a reverse sweep and became McCarthy's third victim as keeper. Uh, as keeper pointer held the chance. Much depended on the returning Ferguson and on 39 he went for a big hit against Ben Whitehead and Travaskis had a safe pair of hands at long on. McCarthy ended with a career best figure of 4 to 31, 4 for 31 after Barnard number 14 fell at short third man. 
But then came the typical Whiteley power hitting before Parnell saw Rapids over the finishing line. Rapids now visit Knott's Outlaws tonight, that was on Saturday at 7pm. Uh, Worcester Warriors new captain, Gerrit Jan Balvez, known as GJ, accepts it's only a matter of time before he suffers another head injury as he continues to put his neck on the line for Worcester Warriors. The fearless number eight overcame a year-long battle with, con with concussion to re-establish himself as a mainstay in Warriors' side last season. Van Vell said he was worried because of his return to competitive action after 12 months on the sidelines, but having racked, racked up 1,818 minutes of rugby in the 2017 campaign, the 30-year-old insisted he was now at peace with the possibility of sustaining a further blow to his head. It was tough at times, Van Bell says, when reflecting on last term. I think I was in a constant state of soreness for the first eight weeks because I wasn't used to it. But since January and February, going into that block of four very important games, which included Exeter and Gloucester, I felt like it was a great bit of strap. I had great momentum and enjoyed my rugby. Van Velt surpassed his expectations last year as he made 24 <coughs> starts, 20 in the Premiership, but he conceded, it is a matter of time before I get another concussion. It's the nature of the sport and how I play, and I'm at peace with that. Because of the nature of the game, we will get injured, whether that's concussion or ligament injury. We play the game because we enjoy it, I'd like to be competitive, so it doesn't worry me. Injuries are part of the sport. <clears throat> In my first game back, I was worried because I wasn't sure what it was going to be like. But the more you play, the more you get into it, so it is no longer in the back of your mind. I never run onto the pitch thinking that today might be the day when I get concussion. Or should I be tackling the guy or carrying the ball? That was never a problem for me. But when you're on the sidelines and you've got people questioning whether you will be able to play again and you're not educated about it, then that's where it's quite tough. Two months ago, his comeback, two months into his comeback, Van Velt suffered an injury scare at Warriors' 15-8 loss at Connacht in the European Challenge Cup. I got a knock on my chin, said the South African. I passed my head injury assessment, but I didn't feel like I was back to where I should be. Luckily, that coincided with a week off, so I went through my protocol and was back playing against Northampton. I'm not at the stage where the concussion means it's the end of my career. I still got to stick to the protocols. I'm comfortable with this because I still feel that's safe and it's the best way to treat it. Van Vels, who has succeeded Donnick O'Callaghan as skipper for the new season, stressed it was important to educate young players about concussion as he believes the issue is not going to end any time soon. We're only getting quicker, stronger and bigger and the game is getting more physical so it's not going to go away, he added. <clears throat> Since I have moved to England, the way things have changed towards concussion has been for the better and it is only going to improve as people get more educated. Okay, moving away from sports, from uh, sport now. Um, this is about Worcester Show this coming Sunday. More than ten thousand people are expected to descend on Gallivelt Park this weekend for the Worcester Show. 
Daniel Barben events sees hundreds of activities including cooking, vegetable growing, floral decorations and photography come together in one setting. Speaking previously, Chairman of the Worcester Show, Jerry Leith, said, We're looking forward to welcoming people from far and wide to our fun and faction fun and action-packed family event. It's all about celebrating the county's creative talent, enjoying some great music, food and drink and trying something new. A portion of money raised from parking, which costs £3 per car, will be donated to the Samaritans this year. The charity provides confidential emotional support for people experiencing feelings of distress and despair, including those which could lead to suicide. Michael Shrub of Worcester Samaritans said, We're delighted that the Worcester Show is supporting the Samaritans this year. It gives us an opportunity to meet and speak to lots of people on the day and also helps to raise much-needed funds so we can continue to help communities in Worcestershire when they want or need our support. Please come along and say hello at the show. One of the highlights of the event will be the judging of 120 competitive classes. Organisers are encouraging attendees to plan ahead to minimise delays they arrive. Visitors are also being encouraged to come to the show on foot or by bus. The 144 stops by Gallivelt Park or by bike with free secure storage next to the Pump House Environment Centre at the bottom of the park. If you're coming by car, look for the signs directing you to the Pitchcroft Car Park, which will open from 8am to 6pm. If you're coming from the northern end, go via Castle Street and Seven Terrace to the Swan Theatre Car Park and then on to Pitchcroft Car Park. For full details about the show, including a timetable of events on the the day, go to worcestershow.org.uk and you can contact the Samaritans at any time for free on 116123. Reaction to news that a lollipop man will be removed from a busy Worcester road has divided opinion with Worcester newsreaders. Worcestershire County Council has decided to axe Crossing Patrol Officer Michael Bate, who has served the community for more than six years, safely crossing children from Perdiswell Primary School on Belford Road. Mm. An email was sent out to parents saying that Mr Bate would not return to the school in September, with his last day being Tuesday, July the 24th. A change.org petition appealing to keep Mr Bate at the school has almost 900 signatures. Posting on the Worcester News Facebook page, Rachel Sanders said... (coughs) Funny how council cutbacks affects children and the most vulnerable first and never the bosses at the top. Amber Lee Gowan said, It's not about the children. Mr Bates wasn't there to control the children. He was there to control the traffic. So many times cars go through the red lights on the crossing. So how are the children supposed to be aware of that? If they see a green man, green man, they will cross just as they have been taught. Sam Taylor Fisher said, <clears throat> There needs to be a safety net. He provides that safety net. It's all well and good saying he shouldn't be needed and people shouldn't cut the lights, but he is because they do. Mm. A child who was actually hit a few weeks ago and there have been plenty of near misses. Also bear in mind that these lollipop men and women are paid a pittance. 
These cuts are not enough to make any real difference to budgets. But they do come at a real possibility of cost to life. But Andy Daniel said, As I said on the story the other day, there shouldn't be a need to be a lollipop person on Bilford Road. The light should be sufficient. It's the problem with people jumping the lights that need sorting out. <coughs> Demi Tunian said, If your children know how to cross the road safely, then there's no need for a lollipop person. If they don't, you as a parent need to teach them. If they know and choose not to cross safely, then that's their own fault. Posting on the Worcestershire News website, Worcestershire County Councillor Matthew Jenkins said, As the local county councillor, I will do what I can to keep the crossing patrol at Perdiswell Primary School. The fact that the county council are preventing a crossing patrol, even if it was paid for by the school or the local community, is simply ridiculous. But Jemmy1456 said, I often travel past this school and see parents stood around chatting. Maybe they could take it in turns to put on a high visibility and man the crossing. Sometimes it's a case of rolling up sleeves and getting on with it. Speaking previously, Councillor Lucy Hodgson, Cabinet Member with Responsibility for Communities, said, Following consultation with staff and feedback from parents and schools, the decision has been made to remove patrols from locations that are situated on or near formal crossings, such as a pedestrian or zebra crossing. It's such a busy road, though. <laughs> a new bereavement services manager has been appointed to run Worcester Crematorium and Cemetery in Astwood Road and the St John Cemetery following numerous concerns over graveyard thefts, untidiness and even an, inter uh, an attempted robbery. Ian Askew Calvert brings several years' experience as a funeral director, having started his working life in the army. Mr. Askew Calvert will have direct responsibility for the team carrying out grounds maintenance in both cemeteries. He said, I'm looking forward to the new challenge that my appointment will bring. As a team, bereavement services are striving to achieve the highest possible standards for grieving families and to continue to deliver a respectful and dignified service for the deceased. Around 2,000 funerals are held at Worcester Crematorium each year, an average of between seven and eight a day. The City Council has recently invested in a new Garden of Solace, helping to create a quiet, reflective atmosphere beside the crematorium chapel. In June, grieving son Barry Redding, who was visiting his parents' graves, slammed the condition of Astwood Road Cemetery as a disgrace. In April, a woman in her 50s tended to a grave in Aswood Road Cemetery was attacked as a robber tried to snatch her handbag. Oh. Last October, numerous mementos, including a Yorkshire Terrier statue, were stolen from Father Neville Cook's grave by thief Alice Wyatt. In April, a replacement statue was laid on the grave after being set in concrete as a precaution. Mm.
A girl has described how she wanted to kill herself after suffering alleged sexual abuse at the hands of her dad. The 51-year-old, who comes from Worcester, appeared at the city's Crown Court yesterday for the second day of his trial. He denies two counts of sexual assault against a child under 13, two counts of sexual assault by penetration, causing or inciting a child to engage in sexual activity and causing a child to watch a sexual act. The offences were alleged to have happened in Upton and Malvern beginning when the girl was five. Police video interviews of the girl's account were played to the jury. She described his father, her father as a selfish person and told officers she was embarrassed to say what had happened to her. He said, you can't tell your mother about this or you will be put into care. I did not really understand what was going on. At the time, I didn't think anything about it, she said. The girl described how sometimes when carrying out the assaults, her dad would look really pleased with himself, like he was happy. She told detectives he did not like it if she wore jeans, preferring her to wear skirts. She described how he sat on her legs while assaulting her and would carry out the attacks while other members of her family were in the house. She would pray someone would walk in while her dad was abusing her. He was so sneaky, he didn't care, she said. The girl described how the abuse became worse and more frequent as she got older. She told officers, it has completely ruined my life and any chance of me being happy. The girl later said, I want him dead because I think he's disgusting. She said he'd shown no remorse. I was thinking about killing myself, she said. Describing one encounter, she said her father was sweaty and stank. The girl said she tried to make herself as ugly as I could to stop his advances and that her dad would become jealous if she got a boyfriend. He didn't like me having boyfriends, she said. He would say, what have you got him for? You've got me. The trial continues. Well, on a more cheery note, um, staff at West Midlands Safari Park are celebrating the arrival of its first ever baby Grievous Zebra, and there's a picture of mommy and baby. The bundle of stripes was born during the early hours of Thursday morning to first-time mum Akuna, who had a lengthy pregnancy of over 13 months. Within an hour, the youngster was up on its feet and stayed close to its mum whilst carefully exploring its new environment. The foal's gender is yet to be identified and keepers will be keeping a close eye on mum and baby. Vicky Barsham, keeper, said, We are absolutely delighted to welcome our first ever baby grievous zebra to the park. Akuna is already proving to be a very attentive and caring mother. The foal is doing really well. It's very active, enjoying dust baths and running around the safari. From August 18th to 24th, the park will be dedicating a week to raising awareness and fundraising for Grevy's Zebra Trust, which works with communities in Kenya and Ethiopia to engage them in wildlife protection. Hundreds of children flocked <coughs> to the Kroom Estate near Worcester for a day of family fun. The event was part of the Mischief Makers Summer Reading Challenge organised by Worcestershire Libraries and Learning Service. Hundreds of children and families enjoyed scorching weather at one of the most stunning properties in the county. <clears throat> 
The day rewarded those who have already read two books as part of the challenge or those who signed up on the day. There was something for everybody with talks from author Jonathan Mears, creator of the World of Norms series, hip-hop poetry from shortlisted Birmingham poet laureate Curly McGeechy, what a great name, <laughs> Curly with a K, and Lego workshops, performances from Secret City Arts and Story Walks, taking families around the beautiful parkland. Jonathan Mears said, <clears throat> It was fantastic to meet so many eager young readers. It was a wonderful event in a truly stunning location. Curly McGeechy said, It was a fun and adventurous day for all children and adults. The Mischief Makers Summer Reading Challenge is such an enriching day out. Councillor Lucy Hodgson said, We have had thousands of children from all over Worcestershire sign up so far, and we're not even close to the end. There's still plenty of time to join in this wonderful challenge and keep your child's passion for reading continuing throughout the summer. Simply pop into your local library and speak to a member of staff who will sign you up. The next Summer Reading Challenge Day at Croom is on Wednesday the 22nd of August. An entry is free to those who have read four books as part of the challenge. The special guest is Keita Mitchell, author of Grandma Danger, sorry, Grandma Dangerous, and The Dog of Destiny, who will be giving a talk and a book signing and Curly McGeechy will be <laughs> returning. Renowned musician Donald Hunt, who served as Master of Choristers and organist at Worcester Cathedral for 20 years, has died aged 88. Tributes had flooded in across social media for Dr Hunt, who was also closely associated with the Three Choirs Festival and the Elgar Association and was awarded an OBE in 1993. He died at home in Worcester on Saturday, August the 4th, surrounded by his family, wife Joe, and children Jacqueline, Tom, Nick and Jane. Tom, Mr Hunt's eldest son, said he died listening to a recording of himself playing the organ at the Worcester Cathedral, having celebrated his birthday days before. The Gloucester-born conductor arrived in Worcester in 1976 to take up his position at the cathedral having spent nearly two decades as choir master and organist at Leeds Parish Church. Music was his life, said Tom, Elgar in, sorry, Elgar in particular, and working in Worcester you can't really avoid him, and that's just the way Dad liked it. He took great pride in promoting the music of Elgar through concerts, lectures and books. Born in 1930, Dr Hunt had served as chorister at Gloucester Cathedral in his youth before studying under composer Herbert Sumption from the age of 13, becoming his assistant at 17. While his debut concert as conductor came in 1957, leading the Halifax Choral Society in Elgar's The Dream of Ger Gerontius, just prior to his move to Worcester, he was awarded a doctorate degree from Leeds University 
1975 and in 1993 was given an OBE for his services to music. During his long association with Worcester, Dr. Hunt also served as artistic director and conductor at the Three Choirs Festival. He went on to serve as principal of the Elgar School of Music and led choral performances at the 150th Elgar Anniversary Festival in the city in 2007. A memorial evensong will be held at Gloucester Cathedral on September the 16th at 3pm. A service of thanksgiving will also be held in Worcester in the near future. Rowing boats could soon be back on the River Severn after councils agreed to spend up to £30,000 to explore whether they could return. The City Council has put the money aside so it can test the water on whether to reintroduce the boats in a bid to boost tourism on the river and bring more people to the city. Boat hire on the River Severn all but finished with the closure of Pitchcroft Boating Station in 2014 after more than 100 years. The business, which had 80 boats during its heyday, supplied an array of rowing boats, motorboats, day boats and canoes. Owner John Morris died on January aged 90. Whilst it was Councillor Lewis Stevens who put forward the idea as part of the Policy and Resources Committee, it will now be the City Council's Income Generation Subcommittee that will spend the £30,000. Councillor Stevens said the idea was an open suggestion and that it was essential for the Council to work alongside other river users to find out whether it was safe. He said, I know that a lot of issues will depend on this. If it was easy to do, it would have been done. It is important to say that whatever we decide, it is not a standalone project and will actually need to be incorporated with other projects. Opinion has, large, has been largely favourable, but some councillors felt that money could be spent on other projects. Councillor Stuart Dingley Maxwell said, <coughs> I support the idea of a feasibility study, although I can think of better ways of spending £30,000. The river community needs to be consulted and their experience and advice need to be taken seriously. I would like it to be supported by all the various bodies that use the river because we must have them helping to make it a success. We must have full confidence in the person who ends up running the service. Let us understand that the Severn can be a very dangerous river and sometimes people neither understand it nor respect it. An analogy of cyclists and lorries is not a daft one. Councillor Joy Squires said the council could find out if a world-class water sports facility could be built in the city, a project that could bring in more money and people to Worcester. She said, I do think that sometimes we think that this river isn't well used and that not much is going on, when in fact it's a very busy river. Okay. Um High-tech girl-proof big belly bins are on trial in Worcester in the latest move to combat the nuisance birds. Ten new so-called big belly litter bins are being tried out on Worcester streets over the summer, designed to hold more litter and keep out scavenging girls. This trial of the solar-powered bins is the latest move in an ongoing campaign to control the number of girls in the city. The birds are known to pull half-eaten food out of litter bins. 
These new bins open using a handle or a foot pedal and are self-closing once litter has been deposited, making it impossible for girls to pull any waste out of them. And the big belly can hold up to eight times more waste than standard bins. The sun's rays charge a 12-volt battery in each bin, which in turn powers a compacting system so that more waste can be held. This means council workers can spend less time emptying bins and more cleaning the streets. When the high-tech bins do need emptying, they send out an alert message to council staff. (laughs) The bins are being trialled at 10 locations in Worcester City Centre that have high levels of foot traffic and the potential for overflowing bins. These new bins could be what we need to reduce the problem of scavenging gulls and stop the unsightly and unhygienic issue of little bins overflowing, said Councillor Joy Squires, Chair of the Environment Committee at Worcester City Council. She added, As a council, we're keen to look at new and innovative ways of delivering services more effectively and efficiently, and this could be a great way of making our streets even cleaner. The trial of the solar-powered Big Belly bins will run until Friday, September the 14th. Girls have been a problem in Worcester, with numerous reports of the birds swooping to steal food from people. Worcester City Council has tried a number of measures to reduce the girl population, including oiling eggs, replacing eggs with fake ones, and using drones to find nests. See, I think they're clever enough to open bins. <laughs> I'd like to see that. Yeah. <laughs> well... <clears throat> Right, it's a thoughtful piece on the uh, anniversary of the First World War. The First World War was a conflict that brought this country to its knees. It drained Britain of blood and treasure and left it in a shadow of its former self, despite being on the winning side. A new Ancestry.co.uk study shows that almost half of 18 to 24-year-olds in this country do not know the war took place between 1914 and 1918. It is a revelation that will make most historians tremble with fear. The writer and philosopher George Santanaya once aptly said... Those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Ignorance of our history is a recipe for disaster and it is one of the most convincing reasons for the subject to be taught in schools. More than 700,000 men from the UK lost their lives in the Great War. It left the country in turmoil and marked the end of the British Empire. One year after the conflict was over, Ireland fought for its freedom, ultimately succeeding in 1921. Ireland's success galvanised anti-colonial movements across the empire, eventually destroying Britain's imperial project. In the end, the cost of an empire became unsustainable. Not only did the First World War lead to the decline and fall of Britain's colonial venture, it also caused a political shift. (coughs) People wanted a home fit for heroes. After the conflict, however, they found that things continued much as before following the war. 
When the Second World War drew to a close, people remembered this and voted overwhelmingly for a Labour government that promised to deliver a welfare state which would care for all. That is not to say that we would not have had an NHS or other security nets if there had not been a war. But the memory of broken promises after the conflict did lead to Britain establishing a welfare state, a step which so many other countries later followed. These are just a few ways in which the war continues to impact on us today. If we as a nation forget the devastation of the conflict, we may unwittingly sleepwalk into another. Harry Patch, the longest surviving combat soldier from the First World War, warned against further bloodshed. The Briton called the war organised murder and said it was not worth one life let alone all the millions. We must never forget his words, and younger generations should remember the sacrifice of their ancestors. Lord Faulkner of Worcester has been chairman of Worcester Live for many years, has just stood down due to pressure of work. We are very grateful for the fantastic job he's done and all the hard work and support that he has put into the organisation over the years. He will be sorely missed. He is succeeded by Paul West, the former Chief Constable of West Mercia, and we wish him every success in the job. We're rapidly approaching the 16th Worcester Festival, which starts on Saturday, August the 11th, with a welcome return by the Goog Band, or Gug Band, I'm not sure which, um, which has a large following in Worcester. There are well over 400 events, and as always, many of them are free. There are lots of activities for children and families and a huge variety of things to do. There are free brochures in all our venues and many other places. Do pick one up and make a note of what is of interest to you. Every year, lots of people tell me that they wished they'd known something was on. Get a brochure and don't be disappointed. Men who are dealing with domestic abuse now have a phone number enabling them to speak to a male support worker. The phone line launched Tuesday, July the 31st and is available on Tuesdays from 11am until 3pm has been set up by the West Mercia Women's Aid in conjunction with Rooftop Housing Group. Joanna Midgley, Worcestershire County Manager at West Mercia Women's Aid said in addition to the current helpline, will be a free phone number for Worcestershire. The Worcestershire male support worker will answer the phone, giving emotional support and advice. It could be that a male victim has suffered in a previous relationship and needs advice or help. We can give advice on domestic abuse and can also signpost to other organisations for legal support. We're also writing a new group support program which could be out later this year, so we can make referrals for that as well. Ms. Misley said, this means men can contact the male support worker directly to get advice. The charity provides a range of support for people who are currently dealing with domestic abuse and have a number of women's refuges for women and children fleeing from an abusive home. 
There is not a refuge for men, but the male domestic abuse support worker works with organisations to make arrangements for emergency housing if needed. We are working in conjunction with Rooftop, which has some housing provisions, or we can work with housing agencies to find places. There is not so much of a demand for males to be moved, said Miss Midgley. It is difficult to open up for any gender. We hope that having this phone line will encourage male victims to get in touch. To keep the phone line free for victims to call, organisations are asked to email male supporters at rooftopgroups.org. Winners of a Worcester News competition enjoyed a visit to a new Ice Age exhibition. The youngsters and their families were given golden tickets for a private viewing of the exhibition which features a huge woolly mammoth as its centrepiece. The youngsters had the chance to pose for selfies with the mammoth, crawl into an Ice Age shelter with torches, dress up as a scientist, examine fossils with a magnifying glass and use light boxes to draw their own sabre-toothed tigers. The children were greeted by, wait for it, Professor Wally Mammoth, a.k.a. Jonathan Darby, at the start of the tour. The exhibition, which is free, is running through the summer and is part of Lost Landscapes, a joint project between Worcester Archive and Archaeology Service and Museums Worcestershire. Information shows how areas near to Worcester, such as Powick, would have appeared during the Ice Age, and a moose head that had previously been kept in storage is part of the display at the Worcester City Art Gallery Museum. Among the winners was Glennis Campbell with granddaughter Talia 8. She said, It was excellent. We liked that it was interactive and you were able to touch things. The size of it was very impressive. Also, there was Alfie Theakston 6, who enjoyed looking at Fluffy, the woolly mammoth, with Professor Wally. Alfie said, I liked all of it. I loved Fluffy. The exhibition has been funded by the Heritage Lottery Fund and Arts Council England and features exhibitions at the Art Gallery and Museum in the Hive, where there is also an art installation through the mists of time. It runs until September the 8th, with a series of school holiday activities planned, including Cave Art Day, when you can create your own cave painting on August the 9th, where families can make Ice Age costumes and adornments on August the 23rd. Okay, thousand step back in time when they looked in my wardrobe at the weekend. Sorry, no, I've got that wrong. Start again. Thousands step back in time for a weekend of medieval activities and to watch reenactment of the Battle of Evesham. More than 5,000 people visited a scorching hot crown meadow in Evesham on Saturday and Sunday, that's August the 4th and 5th, for a day of music, cooking and dancing to commemorate the famous battle. A grand parade to Evesham Abbey kicked off, uh, an action-packed day before knights in full armour fought to the death hmm, in crown meadow... (laughs) for the main event reconstructing the Battle of Evesham, which took place near the town more than 750 years ago. Earlier in the day, a reenactment of the Battle of Lewis, where Simon de Montfort and his band of rebels defeated King Henry III, also took place. 
Visitors also had the chance to see a display of medieval weapons, including archery and craftsman demonstrations, as well as medieval fashion show and a mini trebuchet in action. The weekend was fun for all the family, with Crown Meadow full with tents preparing food, displaying medieval methods of cooking, and demonstrated the 13th century way of life. The fun did not stop there, uh, with falconry and equestrian displays and treasure trails next to the camp. The air was also filled with medieval music played on period string instruments. Caroline Proctor and her six-year-old granddaughter, Poppy, both from Evesham, enjoyed the event. She said, I came to the 750th anniversary a couple of years ago, and it was a fantastic day. I'm very glad they decided to do it again. Poppy absolutely loved it. I think we found a little flaw in this reporting. <laughs> We're really looking forward to the reenactment later. I don't think I could wear all of that chain mail in this weather, though. The amount of people here is great to see, and it's great for Evesham. Poppy said, I love the clothes and the horses. And here's a date for your diaries. The ESO are promising musical fireworks, bringing this year's Worcester Festival to a close with a concert at the Swan Theatre. A spokesman said, We will bring an evening of classical and popular favourites to the stage, chosen to set the scene for the festival's finale firework display that follows. So pour yourself a glass of something fizzy and join the ESO for an unforgettable evening of music, celebrating the end of a wonderful Worcester Festival. The spokesman added, Founded by William Borton and former members of the Midland Radio Orchestra in 1976 as the Vivaldi Chamber Orchestra and then later the English String Orchestra, the ESO soon earned an international reputation for performances of English music, made over 50 recordings and began touring regularly in Europe. Over time, the orchestra's repertoire expanded to include the full breadth of orchestra music and the ESO grew to become the English Symphony Orchestra. Ever since then, ESO has served as an acronym with a dual meaning. Appropriately for an orchestra based in Elgar's hometown, the ESO has made many, acclaims, uh, sorry, many acclaimed recordings of that composer's music. English Symphony Orchestra's Festival Family Fireworks Night comes to the Swan Theatre on Monday, August the 27th at 7.15. For tickets, call 01905 611 427 or go to worcesterlive.co.uk. And that brings us to the end of uh, this week's papers. Just a few announcements. Um, the lighting up time is 20.47 to 5.40. We wish uh, Gillian Andrews a very happy birthday on the 16th. And if there's anybody who we haven't uh, got the names of who are celebrating birthdays, please let us know. Emergency phone number for out-of-hours medical assistance, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. is 0300 123 3211. And the NHS number for non-emergency help is 111. 
Malvern Theatre telephone number is 01684 Worcester Live 611429 covers the Swan and Huntington Hall. Worcester Hub number for Council Matters is 765765 or 722233. Crime Stoppers telephone number is 0800 555 Our telephone number is 01905-767766. Our address is 11 Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR51DA. Um, a announcement that many apologies to everyone that the post will be a day late with your news sticks this week. Um, unfortunately, there's been a hiccup. Our website address is www.worcestertalkingnews.org.uk on which you can find all the recordings of the weekly news and monthly magazines and much more. We greatly value your feedback, likes and dislikes or changes that you may like to make. Just let us know and pop a note into your envelopes. We'd love to hear from you all. So from all of us tonight. Good night. Bye. Good night. Good night.